welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. And what we're doing right now is called Sunday Night Teacher Talk, and that is it has one goal, and that goal is to help you be the teacher that you are called to be. And so before I even get into it, I want to first say thank you just so much to everybody for being here. Um, I'm running solo for the moment, right? I don't even know I don't even know who else is on here. I don't know if uh, if Laura Green's over on Facebook. I know my wife is upstairs. We just got it. We literally, they walked in the house two moments ago with a cat that we promised my daughter for Christmas and all these mishaps happened and we couldn't get the cat and they gave away the, our cat and it was all this stuff. Finally just walked in with the cat. And so I'm, 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 I think I'm flying solo right now, sort of. But I want to reference that in a moment. What I first want to say is, look, what I've been enjoying is um, kind of sharing a little bit of what I'm learning while questions are getting started in the comment section of people getting signed and things of that nature. And so... One of the things I've really been thinking about, and it was sort of confirmed in some stuff that I was listening to and reading this morning, was sometimes many of us think that what we're doing, right? So I'm thinking about the classroom. This could be in your life too, but in the classroom, what you think you're doing is wrong because it doesn't match up with what everybody else is doing. And I don't know that that's true. Maybe it is. Like, I'm not just saying like, yo, if everyone disagrees, go do your thing anyway. I think there's some self-awareness there, but I want to say this, the school section, the school, the school, not school section, the school system is like utterly dysfunctional, right? Like we know this it is, it is, was created to create factory workers. It is not what we're creating these days, but we're still using these old ways to try and teach this, this new generation of young people. So although it's dysfunctional, right? That doesn't mean that it's not functional, right? It's, that, that's not what we're talking about. It's, it's still moving. It's still creating young people that are going to college and beyond and doing things and, and hitting goals and finding success. It's dysfunctional, not non-functional. And so because it is it's malfunctioning right sometimes some of the things that you know especially folks that are going to show up to something like this you're going to go to school and people are going to look at you cross-eyed for what you're doing they're going to look at you sideways and think what the hell are they what are they doing what are they doing um and so you will get some of those questions but i'm saying that look this is a place where we are affirming you and telling you to keep going with your idea to maybe check it with some other people, right? You need to have a team around you. I think that, you know, my pastor says all the time that we don't go as far as our dream, we go as far as our team. And so it is about aligning yourself with great people that are doing great things in the same spaces and places that you are that really know it, right? Because there's only only people that know teaching are teachers. If you have a PD, you know darn well that if you have a PD and it is led by someone that has never been in the classroom and they are telling you how to teach kids to read or how to build relationships, it's like those are the ones that... I literally fake a phone call and I leave the room and then I go up in my room and do actual work or hang out with students. Um, but I would like to say that like, look, what we're trying to create here is a space and a place for you to connect with other people. So this is Sunday Night Teacher Talk. We are trying to uh, help you to be the teacher you were called to be, but I am not doing this alone. It is with all of my friends here in the comments section. So if you are new, you are welcome for exactly who you are right now. And those folks will help you too. So you can leave your questions right in the question section. But know 
that folks are going to, um, they will innately like answer some of your questions too, right? So if Chris Carson just starts talking to you, don't feel so put off by it. If Laura Campion starts talking to you, it's like, no, this is what we are here to do, to work as a group, to work as a community together. And real before I even jump into first question, um, yesterday I did this talk I've been promoting for weeks or months now called the Prioritize the You and Us conference or workshop that I did with uh, my friends at HMH. And so the, when I signed on yesterday, right? So everyone starts popping up on the Zoom. There's like over 100 people in the live session. There's like like hundreds of people that have signed up for this, but everyone's different time zones and people couldn't make it or whatever. But like, I don't know. Let's say there's 150 people in the whole thing or something like that. When I go on and I see some of my actual friends from Sunday Night Teacher Talk are just popping up, right? It's like, and I'm not going to remember everyone. I'm not trying to, to go there. I don't want to leave anyone out, but it's like, I see Maisha Hutchinson. I see Chris Carson. I see, um, I see Laura Green, who even though she has COVID showed up uh, with a blank screen. When I see Laura Campion, when I see people that I know, and if I left your name out, it wasn't intentional. Um, it, it just felt me, it filled me up with such a sense of joy and of safety, like, shoot, if all goes wrong, like, at least my friends are here. And that that's what, one of the things I think we're doing here, too. So I don't I don't want to spend too much time on that. I really want to maximize the time and help people out with their questions. But I want you to know that it did not go unnoticed. And I realize uh, also that not everyone could make it, right? I'm just saying, when you are able to make it and you are able to show up for other people, it is the greatest gift that I could have hoped for yesterday. I was like... Listen, like Chris Carson's still in the comments saying stuff and making jokes. I was like, this is it. We're basically Sunday night teacher talk for somebody else right now and, and helping the world. So awesome. I loved it. It made me so happy. Um, let's see. Let me uh, let me try and find some questions here. Uh, if I don't go in order, I really apologize because uh, the wife is not here. The not so secret wife <laughs> is not here to help me do this. So I'm going to I'm gonna do my best. If we miss you, I'll try and do my best. Um to go back, but I know that y'all talk as much in the comment section as you do answer questions, and that's awesome, is what we want, but it's like a lot going on there. So, Catherine Metcalf uh, is the first question. Catherine, I feel like you're the first question a lot. Way to get on it. I love it. Uh, I have heard teachers say that they are excited to teach honors classes rather than academic standard or inclusion classes. It breaks my heart. How would you respond to this? Look, I think that's a great question. Um, to me, that is, you know, I, I think some people want to teach those classes because it's easier. You don't got classroom management problems when you're dealing with the, with the AP kids, with the honors kids, like mo for the most part, right? I have, I have taught some honors classes because look, the, the other piece is, um, at a school like mine, um, where there's a very small student body, if everyone's not coming in on honors level and there's only 12 kids that actually can like act can you can look at their academics you can look at um their ability and there's not enough kids that are testing there to get into honors they just fill the class so you get a class that's about half honors meaning you have a lot of kids that still can't read on grade level you have a lot of kids that um and then that leads to behavioral issues because you're compensating for not being able to do the work so you start acting out things of that nature happen like that i've that's been my experience in honors um but a lot of people do it because they just think it's easier a lot of people do it because 
they just want to teach the subject area. And although I'm not against teaching honors, I'm going to tell you that I have gone the other way where I teach the classes with most of the kids that get in the most trouble during the day. I teach the classes of the kids that like are on the lowest possible grade level. And not because this isn't like a hero thing. I'm not trying to be like, yo, I'll take the worst. What's the worst you got to offer? And I'm going to take it and do something great with it. There, there is some of that challenge in there that I, that I like. Um, but I think mostly it's, I'm showing up to teach. I'm showing up to be the teacher I always wanted. I'm showing up teaching the grade, teaching the students that, that I felt like, here's what I'm trying to do as a teacher. I want to be who I needed when I was their age. And that was the class I was in. That was the group I was a part of. I felt forgotten. I felt overlooked. I felt because I had, you know, retrospect, I was really polite. I was really nice. I really tried and I smiled and I said hello to you every day. And sometimes those kids get pushed aside because they're not, uh, they're not, um, I have one rogue hair going on. It's driving me nuts. Um, what's up wife? Hi, I'm in the, I'm in the middle of an answer here. Okay. Uh, we're right on the first question, uh, Catherine Metcalf. And okay. so I, you know, I think, look, is it disheartening? Perhaps. But if that's where you think you're going to find the greatest level of success, go for it. it cause, because look, some of those other classes are going to chew people up. And if you're not, if you're not built for that, you shouldn't do it, right? You're going to, you're going to, th those kids are going to get a lesser experience. I think when I hear Chris Carson, and I know I'm talking about Chris Carson a lot tonight, but um, you know, he's, he's an amazing human being. Chris Carson teaches kids that like are often overlooked and forgotten he teaches kids on the margins but he does it with such a grace with such a heart that those kids really like even in just talking to chris there's i cannot imagine this goes any other way even though i've never been in his classroom the way he even speaks about those children is that he just wants to love them he just wants to care for them he wants them to be seen to be heard to understand to feel included and if you don't have that heart going into classes that are anything under honors, then I don't think you should do it. You, I think those folks are just built differently, not necessarily built better. They're just built differently for the work that they have been given to do. And it's folks like Chris Carson that do that work that I think it is like, no, you have the heart for this, right? It's like sometimes people just need love and grace and time and patience. And if you even listen to Chris Carson talk, he has all of the patience in the Ooh, world. You gotta go slower than that. This <laughs> is how Chris talks. Even talking to him, you're just like, bro, it feels so calm right now. So anyway, uh, just wanted to mention that. Um, are you ready? Yes. Did you tell everybody about the um, the the the, uh, the link for? I didn't. Uh, should I tell them now? Yes. All right. So for folks that came to, if you signed up for the prioritize the you and us okay. workshop that we did yesterday, there is going to be a link that it, and here there's two more things they didn't tell you yesterday. I don't think they mentioned one. Uh, so there's three things here. One, the link for that, if you wanted to watch it again, or if you missed the live will be out by Tuesday at the latest, they have to finagle something on their side. They're going to email to everybody that signed up. Um, if, you want to watch it. So that's up for, I don't know how many weeks or whatever. I'm going to put it on my YouTube channel as a private link. Um, no, I told Noel oh, this already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
as and she agreed she thought it was great um an edited version so it's like gonna have like all the like any like breakout room kind of talk or whatever like it cut out um that will exist on my youtube channel as soon as they get that to me as a private link so you can watch it for the next few months also you're going to get something sent to you you're getting professional development credits for being there now some schools won't accept those because they have particularities or whatever um but that's just the nature of the beast that's the nature of any time you do a pd online so but it is you get two hours of professional development credit for being a part of that which i think is so sick all right, are you ready for another I'm question? I'm ready for another All right, question. the question is, how do you deal with students that don't put their names on their paper? Sorry for such a simple question. I go like this. My guy, your parents, you don't know this. They literally spent days, weeks, months agonizing over not just what your name would be, but why it would be that name. And how would kids make fun of you? They literally spent that time, like if sat there with my kids' names and tried to think of how they would make fun of them. There's a reason that Brody's middle name is not the same as my middle name because then his name would have been BJ and we thought that's going to lead to jokes in school. We didn't want to remove that. His middle name was supposed to be Danger. My wife changed it at the last second because I thought it would be awesome if your middle name was Danger and you could stand at the top of the slide and the kids were like, bro, do it, Brody. And he's like, don't worry, my middle name is Danger. It would have been such a sick moment. Anyway. I have that literal conversation with kids or I go, um, or I say, did you, oh my gosh, wait real quick. Hold on. Somebody forgot their name. Like, do you know who you, are we having a Jason Bourne moment here? Do you know who you are? Do we need to help figure this out? And then I need kids to write their first and last name on their page because there's a lot of Zaki. I have three Zaki's in one class, bro, write Zaki on there. See what happens. So I tell them if you, for, if you do that, I will give you whatever the lowest Zaki got, whatever their lowest grade was. So you could have got a hundred, but Zaki number three got a 30. Everybody's getting 30. That's how we're rolling on this. Um, I used to just throw them in the trash. Um, I usually, I, or I typically just don't grade it. And I put a zero in the grade book. I keep, so I grade all of my papers. I put a zero in the grade book because it wasn't turned in. I then keep the papers together. Um, but even if I know who it was, I want you to feel that little bit of a shock of like, oh, snap, I got a zero. Um, and then your mom's asking you, and it's just like, it's a thing. I want you to feel the thing a little bit because then when you come back, you'll be like, yo, Reynolds, I turned it in. Oh, is this your paper? Yes. Well, it didn't have a name. I didn't want to just put a grade in. And then that's, I make it, it has to be a little bit painful sometimes for kids to really get the sting and to get the lesson. So I'm not giving you a zero forever i'm not gonna let it stay there unless you never come in and freak if i have three papers with no names and it was a multiple choice quit like bro i can what am i supposed to see how you circle stuff like this is not my job so that i'm like you could sit here and write your name on my desk 17 times this period but you couldn't write your name on the paper um so it's a little bit of playfulness but it's a little bit of like letting the kids feel the sting and then that's that's how we roll with that that is such a thing though it's like as soon as you get the paper write your name on it or kids will write the date sometimes. Yo, kids will write the date. And I'm like, where's your name at? Oh, my bad. But you wrote sometimes the Sometimes you date. just forget, though. I remember being in. Yeah, I know. I think they're also it. just kids. And I think that's, that's a lot what of what we is. need to remember is like, you're just a knucklehead. Like Brody, when he leaves, has black shoes at the bottom of the steps. Every single and night. And I fall over <laughs> them all the time. Bro, could you please? Oh, dad. It's not like he meant to do it. It's not no, like this was in a Kevin McAllister moment where he was like, ha, ha, ha. Right. 
All right, our next question comes from Stephanie Shook. She's asking, my district is going mask optional for students only tomorrow. Oh, for students only tomorrow. Sorry, my, my oh, oh, okay. Right. Uh, how I thought I was like, we're like not doing it another day. We're only going to do it on Mondays. I was confused. The end. She's asking, how can I handle seating charts slash contact tracing with half mass and half not? That's a great question. I don't think that you can. I think this <laughs> is a terrible idea. It's like, idea. it's like, I would literally put them... If the I I would probably split the class. I mean, which is gonna be weird. I put like the mass kids on one half and the and the un, why not? Because if the mass kids are showing and look, I'm not trying to get into mask mandates and the rules and the laws and what's really true and what's not and whether masks do anything or whether or not the vaccine does anything or the booster or whatever. I'm just saying, if kids, it part of it to me, and maybe this just starts the conversation, doesn't finish it. To me, it's like. If these kids are mindful of this, right? If they feel like they might not feel well, right? Which is why we're uh, one of the ways that we're reasons we're supposed to wear a mask. If you're feeling like this is important to you, then let's put you over here. Now I realize that creates some separation in the class. Okay, and you you're look, like creating some segregation yeah, it's in the like, class. I'm you know, not so sure that's a great it's like idea. when it's like in class when I put all the Republicans on one side and the Democrats. No, I don't do that. <laughs> it's like, um, I part of me thinks that, but. I, I think that that is really a question that, Steph, sometimes when things make so little sense, I just keep asking. And then I want parents to, call, like, here's one of my favorite things to do. When a parent calls, I had a parent phone call the other day and they were livid about something. And I said, and it wasn't something I had any control over. And they were like, this is so dumb. Oh, because our school got rid of small group. We no, we no longer have small group learning because uh, it has been decided that, it is like we are a college prep institution and there's no place for small group. Like these kids should already be on level, right? And that's a whole issue that I have. So whenever a parent calls and they go, but my student forever has been in small group and that's how they learn and that's how they do better and blah, blah, blah. I go, this is a great question. What I would recommend is that you call the administration for the school. I would write to the CEO and then CC the principal and the vice principal and the director of curriculum. I think that this is a valid point, but I is beyond my pay grade. That's what I would do because, and I tell parents this, if I say something, it by and large doesn't change a damn thing. But if enough parents complain, oh, now it's game on and we need to have this conversation because parents can have lawsuits. The next thing you know, they're at union meetings or they're at PTA meetings or whatever, and they're raising hell. I think it's it's about reminding parents of the power that they have. So if parents are concerned about this, if students are concerned about this, they need to use their voice. Because sometimes it's not my voice that's going to change things. Sometimes it's my it's my reminding. It's not even influencing. It's because it, I'm not trying to like get kids to to win something for me. What I'm doing is reminding people of their own power. And so if they don't like the way things are, if you don't like lunch, I'll tell you this this year. Kids didn't like the lunch. We had horrible lunch at our school. And the kids stopped eating the school lunch. They took it upon themselves. And for three days, nobody got school lunch. Kids would bring lunch to school. Kids that couldn't bring lunch to school would borrow. So kids were bringing more than enough. They were sharing food with one another. So now you have a lunch counter with hundreds of crappy lunches on it. Hundreds of them just sitting there. 
The school was mad. The parents were mad. The lunch people were like, what the hell? We've been in here all morning trying to make this crappy lunch for you're not going to eat it now. And they had, they literally changed how we do lunch and got better meals in for lunch that because the students use their voice. And I think that, you know, I'm, it's not about calling for an uprising. It's just reminding young people and parents that if you have an issue, you should take it to the proper people, not to the safe people, not to the people you know, but to the folks that make the decisions. And that's where I would go with that. Yeah, she said if she she felt like if she uh, separated them, like she would get in trouble for discrimination potentially. I didn't mean to do it like that. I'm I, I and I can see why yeah. a school would do that. To me, it's more like a a safety thing, right? Yeah. Like it's like if you if you're that adamant, like you don't even have to wear a mask anymore, but you really feel like that's what you're about. Let's try and like. I, I don't yeah, know. I realize how that's weird, and I realize that that's not probably the it's move. It's all weird because but... it's all new. <laughs> it's like we're just yeah. dealing with it for the first time. Okay, our next question comes from John Fox. Fox, talk about students writing in res- in response to a text that we read in class. Should they discuss it in relation to their own life? Analyze meaning and cite evidence. What are your best practices? I I love. So I think all right. Um, <clears throat> And we're working on a resource for this right now uh, that I'm working on with Edie. Um, It's going to be one of the first things we put up. So one of the things we're going to start, this has been such a long time coming, but there just hasn't been time, but we're creating time this year. One of the things we want to do is create resources. And if you've heard me say this before and you're like, oh my gosh, you've been saying this forever. I really have, but I really mean it. I mean it this time, everybody. Really going to do it. We want to start creating resources so that when I talk about things in YouTube, um, you can go get them on our website. It's It'll just be there for you. Some of them will be paid. Some of them will be for free, but neither here nor there. I just want people to know that exists or it's coming. <clears throat> the So one of the things I love students to do is annotate as they're reading, right? And so it basically that's just like... It's what I do in every book. This is why people don't borrow books from me because there's highlights in there. There's notes written in there. There's paper stuck in there. There's post-it notes all over the place. Um, Like the pages are like, I don't really dog ear pages because it messes with my brain. Um, But (laughs) it is constantly writing and, 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 and actively reading. The goal for any of the things that you were talking about to me is that we have students that are actively reading. That's for a number of reasons. One, because... You all know that we've read stuff before. You've read something before and you're just like, bro, what? Go on. Like you just, you read it. I don't know. I just read, but I read it. How many kids do you have that do that? They're like, no, I read everything last night. Well, so what happened in this part? I don't, I don't remember else, but I read it. So it's like, we need to get kids to actively read. How do you actively read? If you, if you have the, the ability, have kids write in the book, have kids underline stuff, have kids underline words that they don't know or circle words that they don't know underline paragraphs that they thought were interesting highlight things that they think are ideas that are profound or something that connects to their life or something that i'm not sure i think i'm probably going to need to know this for later or let me just underline this write questions about what's going to happen in the future or why they thought something was weird or how yeah man i feel the same way about that it is getting kids to actively read when we can't do that we could make worksheets and have kids write and read on those or just have kids use post-it notes. I cut up post-it notes into little slivers. Uh, you can buy them like that too, but they're more expensive and I can just use a paper cutter and make my own. And then you have 
literally you have pages that have like 50,000 friggin' tentacles coming out of the book. Um, but that is all in an, in a way to get kids to actively read. And so it sometimes, John, it depends on what we're reading or what we're reading for or what I want kids to take away. Sometimes it's, we'll start with a story in the beginning of the year and we're only trying to like, we're looking for text evidence to support your claim, right? Which is a thing that kids are like innately bad at, right? Which is why everybody just goes, who's better? LeBron's better. Kobe's better, bro. No, bro. LeBron's better. And I'm like, bro, textual evidence. Just support your claim. Can't some facts and figures, percentages, some stories, what like something, bro. Back up what you're saying. You can't just say you're the best basketball player when we're looking at the stats and you're not. You gotta tell us, you gotta prove it, right? That that's how we go through that. So it sometimes it depends on the story, sometimes it depends on the chapter, sometimes it depends on the section or the half of the book that we're in. So, um, like, so for instance, when we read Fahrenheit 451, I think there's a lot of things in the beginning of that book, the first half or the first third of that book that so clearly connect to the world that we live in right now. The second half of the book's a lot friggin' weirder. So we're going to look for maybe some other things in that piece. So that's how I divvy it up. Um, and then I just make sure that I'm giving equal, uh, love to each type of thing that we're doing as we read that year. All right, our next question comes from Sean. Uh, I'm a psychology. I'm in a psychology course in my college, and we're covering nature versus nurture in teens. How do you stand on the subject? Um, I think it's both. Uh, I mean, to be honest, like I, I think, you know what, I, uh, Sean, I something that got that was told to me or that I read or something like that recently is, you know, so uh, I've I've talked about this before. My, my father died when I was four years old, right? He had brain cancer and he was sick my whole life. Um, so I didn't really get to know him. I have a handful of memories that I think are really true, but maybe like four memories of my father. As I was growing up, my mom would like st be stopped in her track sometimes because like, you know, I'm, I don't know, 16 years old. I'm into like, like rock music and like old school hip hop. And like, there's a certain type of music. But I remember one time I went to the mall and for some reason I bought a Chicago album and uh, I came home. And my mom was like, what did you get? Why did you buy a Chicago? Album? I'm like, I don't know. I just felt like I wanted to get it. It was the greatest hits. And she's like, that was one of your dad's favorite bands of all time. And, and we had never, ever talked about that. Um, when I would tell a joke, when I would stand a certain way, when I would say something, when I... Like there were all these things I did that reminded my mom, like it was exactly the way that my dad did it. And I couldn't have known that. And there was no way I was picking up till at four with what my dad did or how he held himself or the types of jokes that he would say or the kind, like many, many, many years later, I found that uh, my dad gave everybody nicknames, everybody. I'm telling you that I'd say 80% of my students have a nickname in my classes, right? And that's not, I do it because my dad did it. It's I'm doing it. I think there's part of that that's in my DNA, right? Just like you get your hair and your eyes and, and your skin color, like from your parents, um, that, you know, it's, there's, thank God my son turned out tan like my wife and he doesn't look like a, like a, I look like a vampire in the middle of the winter um, and he doesn't get sunburned anymore. There are certain things that like, like that, the truth's over. I think there's also my family's tendency to go towards drugs and alcohol. My family's tendency to go towards, towards anger over, over any other emotion. 
I think that there's some of that that is built into our DNA is what what I'm thinking. So my, I am afraid of heights. I have no idea. But when what I was reading, it was like, maybe that comes from someone else. And now it's my job. I think it takes one generation to upend some of that stuff. I think that's there. And then I think it's also where you come from. It is, it is what has happened to you. But I think more than any of that, um, I think that's where you start. I think we decide where we finish. That you could innately, right? I am very prone to anger. I am very prone. My family is very prone to depression, to uh, drug addiction, uh, in and out of prison, um, in and out of trouble their whole lives. Um, dyslexia, ADHD, like there are all these things, right? That at some age, I was like, I cannot use the excuse. Now look, striped cats make striped kittens. Um, That is the truth, right? Um, But what can I do with that? And who do I want to become? Because when I started envisioning, like, and I know I'm taking this a little bit longer, but it it is about me envisioning who I want to become. What is the dream? What is the ideal Reynolds that I want to become? And then for me, it's about reverse engineering. How do I get there? How do I become that person? Because that puts an end to generational poverty. That puts an end to generational, like, like not like I was the first man in my family to graduate from high school. That will never be the case for my kids or, or going forward. Just, it just won't happen. Like, I, like not, I've never, I got arrested once when I was 15 years old. That's a whole nother story. But, um, I haven't been in and out of jail. I haven't been, I've never done drugs in my life. And so it's that sort of thing, um, that I think is empowering where it's like, yeah, I could start there, bro, but that doesn't have anything to do with where I'm going now. Like I'm, I'm changing the game for the family forever. That's my goal. So anyway, I know I took that a little we got a little preachy on that, but that's that's kind of what that made me think of. Sure heart. All right, our next question comes from uh, Miss Gonzalez. It's asking, um, I teach where I teach because I know that's where I need to be. But this past week was emotionally draining between deaths, learning about a very sad student situations, and a runaway. Could really use another three day weekend. Felt helpless and sad, but needed at the at the same time. What suggestions do you have for separating all that emotion and moving on um, so it's not so all-consuming? Oh my God, this is the question, mm-hmm. right? I just got asked to do, a, um, I'm doing a workshop at some conference for principals in New Jersey. It's gonna be in Atlantic City of all places. Um, and so, <clears throat> Brody's favorite place in the world. Uh, it And it's on this idea of like real world social emotional learning and care and so i think this is a really big question but some of the things i've been learning about in the last few years is one something called secondary trauma which i'd never even heard in my life some of you might be shaking your head like yes i know what this is and others if you were like what the hell is he talking about secondary trauma is when you didn't necessarily go through the thing but when a girl comes into your room as has happened to me before and says um i really need to share something with you that i've never told anybody before my dad attacked my mom one time with a fork and now she has all of these scars all over her face and she won't even put her hair up. She walks around with her hair in front of her face and doesn't leave the house very often. So she doesn't come into teacher conferences and blah, 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 blah. Like here's the repercussions of that. Um, I didn't experience that trauma. I didn't go through it, but man, did it 
break my heart to see somebody that I think is so wonderful um, go through something so horrific. And, that, and knowing that, like, the, that, that act that their father did, like, is going to have ripple effects in their family for who knows how long. Um, that's painful. I think what ends up happening in my experience is when you are called to be in the spaces and places you're called to be in. Now, look, I don't know if it's, look, I'm a God dude. I'm not, I don't know that this is necessarily just a God thing, but I think you, you grow a level of callousness around that or, or, um, not just callousness because that sounds like you don't care. Um, there's like a, I don't know. I think that you get, you get used to it, but not in just a way where you're desensitized to it. Um, I think you start learning what you can do in those places that it's not hopeless or helpless, that you're there for a reason. Cause look, I mean, Gonzalez, what if, what if you weren't there? Right. Like, and that kid didn't have you to come and talk to, right. I really think about these things. So that's, that's one. I think we do become more accustomed. We become better at dealing with that stuff. But there are times, I'll tell you, when I'm just exhausted. Like I, It's like so many kids and there's so much need in a single day, a single week, a single month that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. I think there's a couple of things there. One, we need to remember that we're not doing this alone. I, I say this all the time that teaching is a communal activity, but it has to be. Because you have to have people that you can't take care of everything. You need to have other people in the building. There needs to be <laughs> systems in place that like when I remember like when my guy Joe who I write about in the book he's the one um, his friend was shot on the front steps of his house and died and there's a whole story in the book about it but like um, we had to set up a system for Joe in school that was not something the school did because the school I just don't think was that interested in it um, but if I wasn't there Joe knew that go see Cho Cho is your, is your second point of contact right and if Cho's not there then you're going to go see Yonkers and if Yonkers isn't there you're going to go find Mr. Fines there was a chain, right? And and who's on top and who's on bottom doesn't really matter. It could be anybody. It could be whoever's closest. But Joe knew that if he was having a hard day, he needed to touch base with someone, right? And when I think about touching base, I think that's so interesting because like we used to play tag, right? There was a base. There was a place where you were safe. No one could mess with you. You could rest for a second um, and you, were, you got a timeout. So we're trying to create base for kids in school. So that they have somewhere to go, someone to be with that they can do that. I think the other thing is, look, I heard this explained the other day. I don't remember who said it, but it was the question was, um, how much does your environment have to do with how successful you are? And this person, and I'm not getting into this whole argument right now. They were saying that it is has nothing to do with how successful you are, right? Your school could be a hot, disaster. To me, like the biggest mess in the world. I feel like you're a testament to that. People have to no s- idea how yeah. what a mess, like, and I'm going to say this from the back end as your wife, because you're not going to say it. People have no idea, like the people that are watching and watch you have no idea how difficult and what a disaster dumpster fire your yeah. school is. But people often online say, oh, he teaches in a private school. Look at how great his room is or the kids or whatever. Like the relationships, it's private school. It's not. These are all the same crazy restrictions. But I'd say this. That's not some like unique ability that I have, right? Like I'm not just better than anyone else. It takes a lot of work. I know the the behind the scenes. And it takes a vulnerability to like, you have to go to people. I have to go to Cho and let her know I can't handle this by myself, right? Like I need you. 
Um, and then she quit. And then everyone quit. <laughs> everyone quit because my school's terrible. But um, that is... But, but I think the other part is um, they were saying how, like, there are these races in the desert uh, where cars drive, like, thousands of miles, like, just over sand dunes and in the hot sun and through the cold nights and there's no water or cooling around and you're just barreling through it. When those cars do that, no one's out there in a Toyota Corolla. No one got a Kia Rio and drove it into the desert, right? Those cars are built different. And I think that it is... Look, I mean, we could blame the school all day, like because we don't get good professional development. I've had like one or two, could uh, two, I think two, awesome professional developments in my 16 years of teaching. All the rest were worthless. I'm just gonna say it flat out. The rest were worthless, um, and it, I think it takes us building up the person that we need to be to do the work we've been given to do. Right? You need to become like the car, and I. So I think that's. Um, and look, not everyone has enough time to read books and take master's classes and stuff like that. Podcast it. Find an interview online. It is the, how can you download the information into you the fastest way possible? So it's getting to know people, asking questions, getting into a Facebook group, asking questions there, looking for podcasts, looking for information. That's what you're constantly filling yourself up with because then you're optimizing yourself. Then you're becoming the person that can handle those situations better. And that doesn't mean that not, that the, that you never get your you know, kicked in the stomach, right? Every once in a while, something still happens where I'm like, damn, bro. Like, like when dudes get shot, it is just like, it is so, it messes me up. And when certain, if I'm especially at a certain place in my life, certain season, um, my wife knows that like, sometimes I go upstairs on a Friday and I don't come back down until Sunday night, right? Like I'm just, I'm out. I'm, I just want to do nothing. I just want to be sad. I want to be depressed. I want to be hurt, but that's part of my process. Um, and then it has, to, it has to turn off for Monday because it's about what am I going to do for kids? What are we going to do? So it's about finding those things that fill you up and the things that, so that's part of it too. Finding things that actually fill you up, right? And then doing things that are going to optimize you. How are you upgrading? How's, what's Gonzalez, the doom buggy in the, in the desert version look like? That's what I'm talking about. All right, our next question comes from Michael Wilson. Real quick, that's a lifelong thing too, right? This isn't a thing you're just going to do this summer and be like, bam, went to Tony Robbins, and now I'm on it for the rest of my life. No, bro, it's it's an optimizing for the rest of your life thing too. All right, Michael Wilson is saying, we have talked recently, some recently, about when it's time to leave, but when is it time to stay and fight? Oklahoma legislators are simultaneously tying teachers' hands while offering rebates to private schools who don't have to follow any of the same rules. Michael, this is this is when is it this the time is that... the name of the game, bro. Yeah, another one he says, when is it the time that we when it, is it time to use the only power that we actually have? Yeah. So, I'm going to say this. I to me I think people underestimate intuition, and I think it's a feeling you get, right? It's not a feeling of like this is so look, like I'm I'm going to be 100% honest right here right i've not talked to anybody i haven't even told my school about this yet but i'm going to tell you guys online um i'm seriously considering not going back to my school next year i don't know what that means i don't know if i'll teach somewhere else i don't know if i'm going to pivot and uh go more direct on this or i'm not sure Uh, i'm i because i really this is something that i i pray about and i go where i feel like i'm being sent or the doing the work i'm being given to do 
But that is not just because my school got hard or because I don't like it. Um, part of that is there, right? I've had five principals in the last six years. Every single person, every single new regime that comes into this place tries to like create, they're going to have their own new thing. It doesn't work. And they're like, all right, I'm out. You got, this isn't the place for me. Um, then someone new comes in and it's like, bro, what are we doing? Like, can we just like, just stay on target? Um, it has not been my time to leave yet. I do think that there's power in staying and do think that there's power in pushing back. I do think that there's, there's something to speaking truth to power. But I, in me, that always comes from that sixth sense, that internal feeling of what am I supposed to do? And then it's having the courage to do the thing you feel you're supposed to do. And I think most folks underestimate intuition. Um, that I think that when you feel that, you need to remember this. Because Michael, you are a leader. All teachers are leaders. John Maxwell says that leaders, what that really means is people that have influence. So how are you influencing the people around you? How are you gathering up the teachers around you? And one day I will tell the story of what is happening in my school right now. But part of that has been about going around and connecting with people, seeing who else is feeling the same way, getting them all into a room and saying, what are we going to do about this? You know, and, and I think that that has to be real. It has to be tactical, but there needs to be a point person. There needs to be a leader in that. So if you feel strongly about that, I want you to remember that one, you're, you, it is going, what does your gut tell you to do? Two, who's your team and how willing, how far are we willing to push this and how far are we willing to go? And then three, look, we're teachers. So what does this depend on kids? And what are we showing kids by what we're doing? Cause I think that sometimes when people go on strike, when schools, uh, you know, d demand more, um, and they get shade from, from people like, ah, oh, what about the kids though? And it's like, this is for the kids. So I think it has to be that it has to be, you have to have a very clear understanding of what you want, what you're willing to do to get there and why you're doing it. Um, because there's a lot of things that I do that I like when I talk to my students about it, uh, and like my students know that I walk out of meetings all the time and they're just like, um, but why? And I'm like, I'm not just trying to be a, like a jerk. I'm not trying to be a narcissist. I'm not trying to say I know better than everyone here. It's just, I value my time and I don't think you value my time. And so if you don't, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um, I just go upstairs. And if someone called me on, or if I got in trouble, I don't care. There's, oh, there are so many things this year that I've just said no to. I haven't done a lesson plan all year because they think they're stupid. And the way that we're doing lesson plans is, is, a, is a bad idea. And why we're doing lesson plans is a bad idea. And that fact that we're coming in with written, scripted curriculum next year, um, and we're lying to teachers, telling them that their lesson plans are going to influence what we do next year, when in fact we know um, through some other ways that you already bought and paid for something new that our lesson plans aren't going to mean anything next year. So it's not that I'm against lesson planning or, or having a sense of where you want to go and how you're going to get there and the things you're going to do. I think that it's just me drawing boundaries and saying, that's stopping me from doing something else. I could be I could be tutoring kids during eighth period when I'm off. Instead, I'm writing out your mandatory lesson plans don't mean anything. So I think it's drawing the line, being willing to accept the, the consequences, but also having a vision of like, why am I doing this? I'm doing this for kids. I'm doing this for teachers. Because if we don't pour in the teachers, then we got nothing to pour into students. 
So I think that you're you're yeah, right, but facts yeah. Right there. I love that. But it all starts on the inside. All right, Miranda is asking the next question. She says, I'm 5'2", female, and I teach high school. I'm often mistaken for a student in the hallways or even in my own room. Now I have a do-I-look-professional complex. Can you hand me that picture behind you? This one? Yes. Oh, oh is this your professional? This is my, this is my best friend right here. Professional picture? my best friend. This is my friend Cho. I have a, I don't know how many pictures I have of Cho looking at me like that why are you like this this is literally what she says all the time oh my god why are you like this cho is uh five i think she's about five two um she is our parents came from korea she is no nonsense um like many of my friends that come from immigrant families where their parents like you will go to school and do your work and i don't want to hear it whereas i had a very different upbringing um so cho is no nonsense and so i remember talking to her about this and because she's so she was so young look i mean she came right out of college and and she was in high school and she's like she was concerned that um if she wasn't just really mean um how was she going to do it so Ch cho was always dressed to the nines and stuff like that i'm coming to school i wear sneakers every day i wear vans or pumas every day to school because they're just more comfortable and why would i wear dress shoes when my back hurts because i'm old and my back hurts after wearing dress shoes all day so i wear sneaks and um or if you're from England, I wear trainers. Um, and so they, they when we when we would talk about this stuff, she talked about how she had it sort of felt like she had to overcompensate on the front end, um, like in the beginning of her career. But what it really comes down to is I and I would tease her that like, look, kids don't know you're young. Kids think you're old. You're a teacher. You basically are just you. You're oh my done. God, our kids think we're old. Oh my gosh, my kids think I'm five minutes from death at any given moment. But like, because you're five years from fifty, fifty yeah. is like a marker for yeah. kids. Damn, my dad's basically a senior citizen. We're gonna have to start feeding them soft food soon, and putting them in a home. Like, Wipe his butt. yeah, get him one of them scooters. You want to get one of those things to go up the stairs for Christmas? Um, I so I think that like. She, when we would talk about this, she would overcompensate, but I think what she found, and, and this is just through my constant conversation with her, is that it was through relationships and that it's not just what you look like, but it's what you know and it's how you act. And it's your, I think it's your level of professionalism, but also your level of connection with, with your students that helps students to respect you no matter how old you are, what you look like, where you came from. It's do you care and can you show it? And to me, that changes things. Now, look, as a male teacher an what, and one of the oldest people on staff at my school, um, I think that gives me a, a, at least a starting point that's a little further than a lot of other people get. I think the fact that um, that I'm tall and that my students like often will comment on like what I'm wearing, like as being like something that they like or something like that. It's not, look, I haven't been cool since 1995, but but it's perception, right? That perception gets me a little further too, right? Like, so I win a little bit more because I use humor because I'm not a guy of confidence. Like these are all things that make it a little bit easier for me initially. Um, and I say initially because look, we've had super cool looking dope teachers come in my school and they're super cool and dope in their classroom. And then they're a total pushover or they don't push you hard or they let the kids get away with everything. And then the kids don't respect them. And like, you know, in a week they're like, oh, I don't know if I should work here anymore. Uh, I think it starts there 
but I think it's really about building connections with young people. Um, and, and don't tell them how old you are. You know, like I just, I never told anybody how old I was. And I never told anyone that it was my first year teaching or anything like that until I was at a place where I felt like the number would equal respect on some level. So it was like, yeah, I've been in the game 10 years. And they're like, damn, 10 years. I was three years old. Like that, that changes things. But that, that's where I would start. That's, so that's a little tricky one for me to answer because I'm also not a female. I'm not a woman. And I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm pretty average in some respect. Like, well, I don't know. Part of me wants to say, like, lucky you that you look young. Like, take that as, like, a compliment, as a good thing, not a bad thing. Yeah. Right? I think sometimes it's about using things to our advantage. Yes. Like, if you're in the and know, you shift if you know mind. pop culture, if you know the music, like. Right. I think it's about shifting your mindset in the situation. Which Kayla, I Kayla <laughs> so my co-teacher was super, she used that as a strength. Now she's going to be 30, and she still tries to do it. I'm like, girl, you're old. You're 30 it's years old. You're right. trying to act like you're out here in the club. And like I'm like, you know, I know you're doing puzzles and watching Jeopardy at home. Drinking boxes of wine. All right, let's go to our next question from John. He's saying, I am moving from Florida to Ohio this summer. This will, this will be my first time changing schools. I have been at the same middle school for seven years now. Any advice? Look, look at schools now or wait. First of all, John, I would tell you to get a coat because it's damn cold in Ohio. And, uh, you know, we have some friends that just moved to Iowa and that they look like walking snot sickles all the time over there, man. It, is, it looks like cold. It's like when uh, Matera would talk about living in Minnesota and he's like, I would say how cold it was here. And he was like, bro, it's minus 15. I think someone said that in the chat. Like, they were I, gotta like, plug, I wish it was like 30 some degrees. Yeah. I got to plug my car. He told me I got to plug my car in just so it starts in the morning. And I'm like, I would I'm not come again. Live no, like that. no, I was with. But like, we moving. no Philly would cancel the world that day. They'd be like, Nah, we're not doing it. Um, I I would look at schools now. Uh, to even if it's even if it's not to get a job, to know what's available, right? Like I don't know like how dense of a population you're moving into or you're moving in Ohio, but you know if if you're in a more rural area, what are your options? Do you want to be a part of that school? Can you start? looking at that school in a different way can you start conversations with people that are working at that school can you help maybe if you know if they're doing some kind of virtual aspect if they're doing clubs if they're doing um summer school this summer like what is the in there that's what i would start looking at looking at their curriculum looking at their like what things like what is the world of education look like in ohio versus what does it look like in Florida? I think one of the ultimate things teachers can do before they get a job or once they get a job and they haven't taught there yet is you got to learn your community there, mm -hmm. right? Like what are your kids, where are they coming from? What's their background? Like is college a thing people are talking about? Is finishing high school a thing kids are talking about? Are they real into hunting? Are they real into mu certain kinds of music? Are they really into like are we going to start watching? Yeah. Are we watching Buckeyes games now all of a sudden, you know, so instead of Gators, like it's being mindful of that sort of thing too. But that's where I would start because that's going to be your connection point with the people you work with and the students that you work with once you get there. And what you want to do is fast track the connection piece when you get there. So I think you could look for jobs now because look, I'm going to tell you like in the research that I keep seeing popping up, I mean, teachers are leaving education at an alarming rate 
And so who knows what's available at the end of the year? I mean, there, you know, but, but maybe you're in a, in a community that's real strong and people stay there till they're 35 and pandemic or no pandemic, they're riding this out and they're doing the thing. It, it's all going to depend on where you land. But I, I don't think that hurts anything to start looking now and start learning about where you're going to go. Mommy, I did not have a question ready. You know what that means. I know. It's singing time. Singing oh, time. Singing. You know what we could do? You know what we haven't done for a while? And I haven't given uh, I got one. Chris Carson wait, a good chance to, to have a drink. Um, let's just promote the book real quick and just say that right oh, now, kids, uh, teach your class off. My own book, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching, which doesn't have anything to do with rap, uh, is available on Amazon. Um, and I just want to tell everyone <laughs> that. Great. I have another question. Cheers, Chris Carson. Uh, our question, what's the difference between a helping verb and a linking verb? Oh, I can't for the life of me figure this out despite all the resources I've looked at. Oh, George, you know I'm not going to tell you the answer to this. I'm going to tell you this. You should 100% have your students do a project on this and then make small posters and put them up in your room. I used to do this, and I think I'm actually going to do this again this year. I'm thinking about common errors like effect and effect kids mess it up all the time it's something i literally have a note on my computer screens to remind me because i forget it's just like a working memory thing that i just can't gravitate towards or spelling definitely right who knows how to really spell that word it's so i end up spelling defiantly every single time and i don't know why but i think that there's you could buy stuff for your classroom but i think mini project all right everyone i'm going to give you a very common error in the subject matter or or a belief that people don't know how to use like so by the end of this team one over here is going to show us how to use the dreaded semicolon we're not even sure only Edie knows why the semicolon exists <laughs> but is someone's going to walk us through this someone's going to walk us through through and through those words so that's what I would have kids do because I love when kids ask questions and I don't try to just outskirt it, but it's like, that's a great question. You have Google, look it up. And then, and then, then I don't want you to just read it. I want you to t figure out a way to teach it to other people. So when my, when my grandfather, rather, when I was a kid, I kept getting angel and angle mixed, mixed up. And he said, angel is spelled A-N-G-E-L. The E in the alphabet comes before the L, right? So it's, and he oh, goes, and okay. angels always come before angles. Put, that doesn't even make sense. I just have a better idea. If we actually taught kids how to read better, Listen, we're trying to learn tricks over they here. They would actually learn how to spell the, because then the we can read and decode real rap words better. With this blah, blah, Reynolds blah. right now, <laughs> not that one. Um, or when uh, our sister-in-law Nicole told me, uh, dinner or diner? How do you spell them differently? I live in Jersey, right, so it's diners. Dinners and diners. Hold on, can I just finish Go telling ahead. people? Because now they're wondering. There's at least one person wondering, oh, right? Yeah. Dinner has two ends because people always want more dinner. They don't want more diner. I don't. I think he was actually asking though for what is the difference. But I'll tell you, John Lopez answered. Oh, all. of course. He he said, linking verbs do not show action. Helping verbs come before the main verb in a sentence. And they help out. Thanks, John. I'm gonna actually screenshot that so I can. <laughs> Lopez can probably tell you where the term helping verb came from and the term linking verb and how Louis the Sixteenth, uh, like, you know, like, awesome. yeah. Okay, let's move to our next question. Got it. 
Um, it is, I am new to high school this year. I'm looking for different virtual management systems. Dojo is too elementary, class kickboard looks good, but out of reach. I'm setting up a class bank. Any other options? Um, I, uh, we used kickboard this year. It was, it was one of, it was one of the things that like our, the, the admin made all these different changes and I didn't want to do them. And they kept saying, use kickboard, use kickboard, use kickboard. And I was like, ah, so I used it at some point and I was like, oh, oh, damn. like, you know, like you when like some, yeah, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like when I tell you to make lists and then all of a sudden you start making lists and you're like, damn it, I didn't want to be right. It, it is just like one of those things that. Uh, I found a lot of value in, although I will tell you, Justine, that I have stayed away from that sort of thing because the consistency in Wi-Fi in our building, in students having access to things like we just became one to one this year for our freshmen. So it was like I've been I've been analog forever. Right. Which speaks to John Lopez's heart. It's probably one of the reasons we connect. I've been analog <laughs> for so long that it's like I don't. I, I just have not had a smart board for so many years that it's like when I got one, it just became a really nice TV in my room because I wasn't sure if it was always going to work. Um, so let me turn this to the community and ask if anyone has a virtual management system that is because I agree. I think Dojo looks a little kiddish. I think Kickboard even um, is a little bit kiddish, but there's some value to telling students out loud you're doing a great job Kickboard points. Um, I used to say imaginary extra credit. Um, they told them that was good when they got to heaven. I don't know. That was a weird thing to say yeah, to but kids. They always but they loved imaginary extra credit. They did. I'm like, you know what? Three points, imaginary extra credit. Yes. It's not really about I'm the like, points, I don't think. They just want to. They just want to hear the word. Yeah. They just want the ding. Um, someone said class, class craft. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, we're working. We're working with a couple of companies right now, um, and talking to them. Uh, about this sort of thing, about how to do this, and it's an all-in-one kind of a thing. But be on the lookout. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, oh dang it! I didn't get another question. This is what happens when I talk during. Sorry, right. I love when you talk. Can you do it? Let me tell you about my best friend. That's the only line I know that song. Oh my gosh, there's. Uh -uh. Let me tell you this story, everyone. Meatloaf died the other day, and uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light was on in the car. And Brody and I were driving in the car last night, and he goes, what's this song about? Oh my God. And I said, this song is about sex. And he was like, now I can never listen. It was such an awkward moment. It was so funny. Because then he's listening to the lyrics, and he's just like, oh. we got home. And he immediately jumped out of the car and went into the house. <laughs> They're also chatty in the comments. I love right, like other, it's like they're just great. doing their own thing. We could literally just leave this on live for an hour after we're I done, know. and people would just stay on here and talk to one another. That would be hilarious. Oh gosh, I really am like so far down. I think. No, Stephanie had one. Hold on. Shook. Yeah, she had a good one. We'll wait. I'm just trying to find it. See if you see one in the comments. I'm sorry. I'm. No problem. Leaving us hanging. You know. This. It happens. We're we're a small army over here trying to uh, get into this. Um, okay, I have a question. All right, go for it. Okay, what if you have a great? This is the one I was looking for. It's from Stephanie Shook. Um, she says, "Okay, what if you have great relationships with most of the students, but they still don't respect you enough to to even be quiet in class?" Then you don't have great relationships with your students. 
Um, so what, if you had a kid that was disrespecting him, what would you do? I'm going to break it down. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, because I, I have kids that, like, when we're just together in the hallway or we are in class together and we're talking and they share stuff, we talk about stuff, I, I think it's about communicating to young people what respect actually is. Like, and it's me saying things like, if someone's acting out and point, I pull them into the hall and I go, listen, why is this even an issue right now? Like, I thought we were on some another type level type stuff, but let me just paint a picture of what I'm seeing in class. Because sometimes it takes holding a mirror up to students' behavior to help them see what they're doing, right? It's not just telling them um, to knock it off. And they go, for like, how many kids do you go, bro, can you stop talking? I wasn't even talking. Bro, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, what? Like, yes, you were. Or uh, I'm not even doing anything. I wasn't even doing anything. I wasn't cheating. But the... I see the answers on your hand. That's not even like, I, and some of that is just blatant lying. But I think a lot of times young people just don't know what the hell they're doing. And so they don't, they don't connect the pieces yes. for something being disrespectful. That if I'm trying to give directions and I say, gang, I need your attention for your attention for 15 seconds. That's it. I need you on me in three, two, one. And you got three dudes that you really connect with that aren't looking at you. I'm sorry, come again. So it's it's like going over and saying, what you're doing right now is really making me feel some type of way. This is what my my kids say some type of way all the time. So I, I stole it from them because I really like it. Um, guys, what you're doing is making me feel some type of way. I'm trying to give directions. And not only are you not listening to me and showing me that level of respect, you're also making it difficult for everyone else to hear in class, which means I'm going to have to tell directions more than once. And so could you please stop? I think those sort of short and like utterly direct statements shift student behavior like damn near nothing else right it is holding a mirror up so that they go my bad i I don't want to do that i i i do respect you i do like you mr reynolds i do care like miss shook i would never want you to feel that way but what you're doing is i do this with my 14 year old all the time he talks to me like i'm a jackass sometimes and he just is like Yo, I was doing something today and he was like, see, I told you, that's why you shouldn't even do it that way. You should do it this way. Like I told you to do. And then I had to stop him and I go, can you stop talking to me? Like I'm a jerk. I'm not even, I'm not, okay. Oh yeah. That does kind of sound jerkish. And then I have to like, just let him see it, but I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm not disappointed. I don't want you to feel that way. I'm just saying, bro, hold, stop for a second. Why are we even, why is this happening right now? Like I need you like, like I need you to be the example for everybody else. And I think that that helps. I think most of the time those conversations work better in private. So the next time you are just having lunch with kids, hanging out with kids, it's like, yo, we got to have a chat real quick, bro. Because what we're doing in class right now is it's hurting my feelings, right? Like I, I've, we've put a lot of time and energy into one another. What if you were telling a story in class and I just turned to someone else and started talking, right? Like that, that can't be how it works. So you got to, what we do is, we teach people how to treat us. That's anybody in your life. Your husband, your kids, your boss, the neighbor, right? We teach people how to treat us. And I think that there's a lot of value in that. And so it's figuring out how am I going to train these people to act right around me or to give me what I want. My wife only really knows. I mean, my wife is very loving and and um, and does like is really incredible and I feel completely fulfilled by our relationship. Um, 
But a lot of the ways that she knows how to love me is because I've told her what I wanted. Like, I told her how I need to be spoken to. I've told her, like, it's, it's, I don't want to have it be a mystery. I don't want her to be like, it, it's not like a Christmas gift where I'm just like, what does she want? Oh, uh, it's like, now nah, it works a lot better when someone just tells you, oh, I'd really like to have this for Christmas. And it's like, bam, remember that in October so I can get it in Christmas. But it's, uh, sometimes surprises are good, but mostly it's like, I need you to know. Like my, my admin knows that I don't go to meetings, right? Here's another one I do. Don't, don't just do what I say either. I'm just letting you know what I do because this is, I think there's value in it. But like if I, by the when and I've drawn this line, lesson plans are due on Wednesdays for the next week. If you have meetings, trainings, or anything else going on, barring an emergency, in the following week and you don't tell me by the by the Wednesday before like when my lesson plans are due I need to let you know what I'm going to do next week by Wednesday if you don't let me know what you're going to do by Wednesday I don't go I just do not show up um I still do work right so I'm not like at home playing Fortnite um but I don't get caught up I I, I don't do those things and I've let them know and now by and large I get my answers before Wednesday so that I can make adjustments and make and plan things out and, and stuff like that so yeah it's we're good after two, yeah. it is there's no eagles game on today no but marley got her brand new cat marley got her yeah. cat we're gonna go buy a living room chair these are the th here's that's some insight into the reynolds life what am i gonna do for the rest of the day i'm gonna go play Fortnite with brody because i figured out the speaker situation we played together earlier <gasps> finally yes um i'm gonna go buy a new chair for my living room and uh i'm gonna go play with marley's cat which, if you see it, it's got a whole busted up eye. It's, I don't even understand. Listen, that's our life. We are the island of misfit toys in this house, right? That's what we do. Is that's our, Those are our people. So, look, gang, I appreciate all of you that came out to the HMH event yesterday. Again, um, if you want to rewatch it or if you didn't get a chance to watch it because you were just planning on watching on the replay anyway, that by the latest, you will have that email to you, a link from HMH by Tuesday. Um, they just have to do whatever they have to do to that thing to get it out to everyone. And then I will have that on my YouTube channel as soon as they send me the link at a private link for those of you that signed up so you can do that. Um, and then that's it. I hope that you have a great week. It is cold as could be outside here in, in Philadelphia. Um, but I, I hope that you are, are getting out, you're finding happiness and you're remembering to fill yourself up because you can, because look, you need to be the most important person in your life, right? Everyone around you experiences the only only the overflow of love that you have for yourself. So if you find yourself running out of love, running out of energy, you need to pour into you. And then that overflow will get all over everyone else. And that's kind of how we, we roll stuff. Um, that's it, right? Yep. Cool. Uh, thanks, gang. See you here next week, 1 p.m. Peace. <laughs>